Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. Before we start this episode, we're going to again take a little time to thank a little bit of the people who helped make this show possible. First up is 2.0 Gear. Uh, it's a new brand that we just started partnering with. Uh, they make awesome uh, high-end technical uh, hunting clothes, camo. Um, and so they're based in Michigan yep. and a uh, new company. We've tested them for months. I tested them uh, in the whitetail season last year. Great Merino base layers. Yep. Great awesome Merino shells. Yeah. Awesome. New pattern. A great system for going out West, but we'll use it a ton in the, in the whitetail woods too. So really excited to work with them. 2ogear.com. Go check them out. Next up is Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Uh, it's, it's an awesome, uh, basically connection to outfitters all over the world. So as a lot of people know, Good hunting ground is really hard to come by, and um, oftentimes the best way to ensure that you're going to get in a good spot, or maybe you need to legally have a guide, is to, to go through an outfitter. Mm -hmm. um, and so, as you might know if you've heard us before, we've had good experiences and bad experiences with outfitters, uh, which means, you know, in order to ensure you're going to have a good experience, you have to do a ton of research, you have to talk to people, it's just a lot of messing around. Worldwide Trophy Adventures, or WTA, does a lot of this work for you at no charge. So by booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a good location with a reputable outfitter um, that they've certified and endorsed. If you're looking to book a trip of a lifetime like I am, uh, just headed to a moose hunt here through WTA, you're going to want to check them out. Uh, go give them a call. Actually, I have the number right here. It's one 800 346 8747 or check out their website at worldwidetrophyadventures.com. All right, so we love Trophy Line. They offer more than just saddles. Believe it or not, they have their own climbing sticks. They've got platforms. They've got a ton of extra packs. Gear. They've got packs. They've got everything. pads. Everything that you're going to need to be a saddle hunter, they have it. So if you want to start saddle hunting this year and get into the game like everyone else and really love hunting even more, Go to Trophy Line, check it out, use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on that purchase. We're big bow hunters. Uh, sights, quivers, stabilizers, those kind of things are really important if you're going to have a deadly setup. Um, and so we've tried a lot of different companies in the industry, and we've kind of figured out that we really like Redline gear the best. So um, we are shooting their torch sights this yeah, year. That's you know, a it's a really cool, one. really cool sight. Very there's a lot of good micro adjustments you can make. You can customize a lot of the stuff on there. Really make it your own. The chargeable USB rechargeable yeah, light is really sweet. Cool. Um, and so we're huge fans of their stuff. We use them all the time. It's worth going to check them out. Uh, check out Redline. Use the promo code TFC10 for 10% off your purchase. And uh, let us know what you think. We love them. We jumped right into it today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Um, today, I've got Corey Hawk on uh, and Corey or Organic Archer. I've followed you for a while, um, not in a creepy way, online, and uh, had seen some of the work you've done um, with traditional archery and uh, just beautiful work. So that's kind of what got me interested in you, followed you for a bit and figured, hey, it's time to, ha time to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I feel like we've been trying to set this up for a while. <laughs> Scheduled yeah. conflict. <laughs> Scheduled conflict, sickness. We have weather. You're in you're in Nebraska right now, right? Yep. Yeah, South Nebraska. Real cold. Yeah. Yeah, between minus cold. minus twenty, minus forty wind chills. <laughs> so, oh, you know what? It's about time. Last year, at least in Michigan, where we're at, uh, warm winter. Um, now actually, it's it wasn't supposed to snow today, but we're we're getting some snow. So. Sweet, nice. I guess. Bring it on, whatever. 
So, um, Southeast Nebraska, traditional bow guy. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Give us a little introduction to who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, name's Corey Hawk, uh, born and raised here in Southeast Nebraska. I uh, come from a long line of traditional bow hunters and, uh, outdoorsmen. And I was raised to hunt, fish, forage for wild edibles, uh, learned all kinds of survival skills growing up. And then, uh, eventually I left for the Marine Corps and spent four years with the U S Marines. And, uh, once I got back, I just pretty much became reinfatuated with archery and, um, it started out as just buying a store-bought traditional bow. And after some time, maybe six months or so, I felt like I was breaking a lot of arrows, shooting every day. Uh, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I decided to learn how to make um, wooden arrows, uh, which was kind of my first step into the, the self-crafting of all my gear. And most people don't realize that the, you know, the, the craft of arrow making is totally separate from bow making usually. And it's it's as complex or more complex than bow making. So I learned arrows first. Uh, I've spent probably a little less than a year just uh, making wooden arrows before I felt like it was a little weird to shoot these handcrafted wooden arrows out of a store-bought bow. Yeah. So I thought I'd better learn how to make my own bows. And so I watched 100 YouTube videos and bought every book I could find and uh, started with boards from the hardware store, mm -hmm. uh, just commonly known as board bows. And, uh, that kind of got me started and moved into bow staves and it, it took off from there. I, I built as a, built as a passionate hobby for uh, six years before I finally got on the internet and it gained some traction, uh, from some of the guys in the survival community and it just seemed to take off. And so, um, after a couple of years of trying to balance, um, making long bows and working a normal job, I had to make a choice. Um, so I quit my job and started organic archery in 2018 and I've been a full-time professional ever since. What was your job before that? I've done all kinds of stuff. Uh, after the military, I, I, I did a lot of years in auto body, uh, growing up. And then, so I went back to auto body, um, to start out with to kind of get me back on my feet after the military. And then I went to a limestone mine where I spent a couple of years. Cool. Uh, and then I went into advertising for four or five years. And then, you know, that's a natural path, uh, limestone, auto body advertising, you right. know, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of everything. That's cool. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, you grow, grew up and, uh, you know, family kind of got you in who, who is kind of the person or who, who got you into foraging and outdoorsmanship and all, all, all the rest. So we used to take these big family convoys. Uh, we would just say out West, uh, whether that was far Western Nebraska, Wyoming, Colorado, we'd take these big family convoys and it would be, you know, my parents, my grandparents, um, some of our uncles and aunts and cousins and our great uncles and aunts. And, uh, yeah, I, I learned a little bit of, of you know, different, uh, skills from everyone. Like my father, for example, was a diehard boat hunter. And so were, uh, his brothers and cousins. And then my grandfather and my great uncle were diehard fishermen. Mm. Uh, so 
everyone in the family was kind of into the wild foraging and the edibles and just the wild game cooking and things like that. So it was sort of a big family affair and I learned little bits and pieces from everyone. Yeah, totally cool. And that's such a cool thing to go out with like a giant group of your, your family on a, on a road trip. Like that's kind of unique. It's some of my fondest childhood memories. I can believe it. That I mean, that's, that's just Good, clean fun right there. I love love hearing about that. Um, so you were in the Marines. You came out. You, you, you started dabbling with, with bows and stuff, uh, making it, making them. Uh, so, you know, as you've gone, uh, like, how's that process? How long did it take to get good at making them? I mean, from, for what they are now, and if anybody's listening, go check them out. Like, they're, they're beautiful pieces of art, really. Um, how long did it take to, you know, get kind of to that level? Yeah, my first bows were definitely pretty crude. Uh, yeah. It, there's a steep learning curve. I mean, it's a, it's a low barrier to entry. I mean, you can get started with very minimal hand tools and a very low investment up front, but the, the craft definitely takes some time to master. Um, I would say it was probably close to five years and nearly 100 bows before I felt genuinely comfortable asking money for them. Yeah, yes. So... I, I gave some away in my early years, um, and that, that kind of gained some traction on the internet because I was giving them away to, you know, survivalists um, from, like, the Discovery Channel, History Channel, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, before I started selling them, I at least had 100 under my belt. And so cool. To get where I am today, um, I've been building for 11 years and probably well over 400 bows, somewhere in the realm of 400. I don't really keep track. How long are they taking you to make now? Well, yeah, it used to take a long time, but uh, (laughs) now if I have a piece of wood that really wants to cooperate and I have two full days to dedicate to that one bow, um, a lot of times I'll have multiple projects in the works, so that doesn't always happen. But if I really had two full days to focus on a build, I could get a bow from, you know, a stave, a seasoned stave to a finished shooting product in two yeah. days and then it's going to take uh just another couple days to put some a proper sealer on it and everything because you really yeah. want to get that wood sealed up from the elements so that they're you know safe for all weather use or durable in all weather right not not getting cold and exploding or anything like that yeah that's kind of uh that's a bit of a misconception i mean there are some wood species that get cold and explode um and you know there there's stories of fiberglass laminates delaminating if the glue fails in extreme temperatures um and that can be extremely hot or extremely cold could delaminate a uh a, you know a fiberglass laminate but uh wooden self bows uh with the exception of you know maybe pacific U or something that's a little bit more brittle uh some of the junipers they can have some issues at extreme cold but as far as durability i mean there's no weather that you can't shoot them in yeah incredible you got something stretched out behind you there. What you what you working on? Uh, that's a we just rotate here. Uh-huh. That's just a deer hide uh, from okay. a buck I killed with my bow earlier this fall. I saw that. That was a cool buck, cool story, and like just cool to follow along. What do you what do you do with the hide? Um, I I dry I flesh them and stretch them out, and then turn them into raw hide for bow backings. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so. What what's also kind of interesting? So aside from the bow stuff, and and I was kind of following you before I, I saw this, um, and my wife and I a couple of years ago, I think actually probably 
the beginning of COVID where you're just sitting around and can't do anything. And we started watching alone and I'm watching and like, sure enough, your face pops up and I'm like, and it, this is, it's so weird to say this because to you, because I'm like, Laura, I, I know that guy. She's like, you know, I'm like, well, I mean, I've seen him on the internet before. So like, I kind of like know of him and sure enough, like season seven, the Arctic one, you were there. Yeah. Uh, I, it didn't work out quite as well as I'd hoped, but cool experience nonetheless. Well, that's 30 days medically evacuated. So, I mean, well, what was, I, I don't remember what the, the medical reason was. You just losing fat too fast or what was it? Uh, no, it was actually, it was two weeks and I blew out my left knee entirely at right. uh, yeah. MCL and meniscus. So surgery. No surgery, but a two-year physical therapy recovery. Awful. So. Awful. I think that year, I think I saw, was it Roland? Didn't he kill him with a knife? Didn't he shoot that, was it the yak, and then, like, jumped on it? Is that right? Yeah, he shot it with an arrow, and uh, while he was waiting for it to bleed out, he, he went ahead and stabbed it to death with his front knife. <laughs> uh, a lot of guys, you know, I know a lot of guys that do that, and I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, and it's like, more power to you. Like a lot of guys I know that do it. Joe, one of our one of our guys here has done it quite quite a few times. I never can. I don't know if that makes me such a sissy or what. But I'm like, I'll just stand back and like I just always see a a, a hoof splitting me from stem to stem to stern, you know, up up the gut. But man, like yeah, he went right in and didn't even hesitate. Took care of it. Yeah, I'm not opposed to a, an extra arrow if you know you need to put one down real quick. But I'm not a big fan of getting gored. So. No, same. Yeah, it just seems bad. I know friend. I know guys that have gotten, you know, usually it's the the hoof, right? So I think I knew a guy that got a antlers through the leg or into the leg or something like that when it flailed back. All right, we're gonna take a pause here real quick and just thank a few more guys and companies that help make this show possible. First up is Vortex. We can't say it enough. We love their glass. We love their binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders, their apparel. James James is rocking a nice little hoodie here. They make awesome stuff. And if you guys are looking to make a purchase at Vortex, go over to their website and use the code TFC20 to save yourself 20% on the next purchase. That's a big, good discount. Use it. Head over there and get something. A bow makes a man. And, yeah, so I was told. And we're, we're big fans of uh, Prime Bows shooting it for years, Michigan-based company. Uh, we're shooting their latest Revix series of bows. Mine's that 36 long boy. I'll generally year. take a few shots right back here. Yeah, yeah we, we're a huge fan. Smooth, uh, great balance. Um, they're, they're just go check them out. There's tons of technology. One of my favorite things that they have is their grip. Mm. Uh, space age space technology age. keeps your hand warm even when it's cold. Um, highly recommend to go check out Prime Archery. Finally, Lathrop and Sons, boots, your feet kill animals. Like the more you walk, the more chances you have at, at getting that big buck, that big elk, moose, whatever it is. Uh, Lathrop and Sons have been kind of our go-to boot of choice for a while now. Uh, we've put in a lot of miles, taken them all over the place. There's no leaking. It's comfortable. Stephen and James there are like spent. They're like foot. Like they're, ge they're geniuses. I got messed up feet and they basically will, you know, you take an imprint of your foot. They'll look at it, look at your arch, how wide it is, how narrow, how long, and they literally build the boot around your foot. So you're not going to a box store and picking up something that you hope is going to fit your boot. These things actually are tailor-made to your foot. 
so they're super comfortable mine i could i could walk all day in them so if if, if you're looking to you get a have. Boot, if <laughs> i have if you're looking for a boot that's made for you and not somebody else go check up lake different sons but here I, you know i'm gonna put you on the spot here I, I before this i was i was looking this this um the loans season up i saw a video of you listing the 10 things that you brought with so i'm gonna read them a second <clears throat> number one sleeping bag two and I, that was a negative 40 degree sleeping bag pot that's two. Three is a ferro rod. Four, fishing line and hooks. That's one. Bow and arrows is five. Snare wire, six. Multi-tool, seven. Paracord, eight. Nine is a saw. Ten is an axe. All right, now you've been there. You've done it. You know, you've been to the Arctic. It was kind of a crazy season. Looking back on your list, would you have cha- would you change that up? Did you like what you brought? Do you feel like that worked out well, or would you tweak that, that list a little bit? It, lo- it seems pretty basic. Yeah, I think um, I, I put a lot of thought into it after the, the the show, and I think if I was to change one thing, um, I might bring a gillnet. Um, yeah, I believe I was the first contestant ever to craft one from scratch. Don't quote me on that, but uh, um, I I I had planned on not bringing one because the amount of paracord that you can take as one item is it's pretty substantial amount. So I knew I would have enough to craft multiple gillnets if needed. And that's what I did as soon as I got my shelter up was start crafting gill nets. But uh, I didn't realize just how valuable of a tool that was up there um, for lake trout because I have not, I've never used a gill net before. I, we used to seine for crawfish and things like that. But uh, yeah, that was my first experience with a gill net. And uh, the, the land hunting in my area was very sparse. Uh, I've yeah. hunted every every day, every time I was walking to and from anywhere while I was exploring my property, I was always bow hunting and there was very little game sign. Um, I was basically down to, you know, relying on the first snowfall to figure out where the game actually was. Yeah. Uh, so to be able to launch that gill net on, on day one would have been huge because as soon as I put my homemade gill net in the water, uh, it started catching fish right away. And the show has limited time, so they only showed me catching one fish. But as soon as it hit the water, it was catching them daily. Oh, really? Fish is critical, critical in that show. It feels like they're like that. That's often what separates people that go far from from people that don't. For sure, yeah. The people that can sustain a, a, a healthy flow of fish are going to do really well until the the lake freezes over. Yeah. And uh, I, I've seen fellas that have a little bit more girth on them seem to do uh, uh, pretty well when there isn't as much food. You know, some of the guys that have gone far in the past can can hit on their own kind of reserves uh, where you're not you're not one of those guys. So is that like a like a concern going in? You're you know you're not you're not packing a lot of extra you know on your body when you go out. Yeah, that was a concern. Um, I actually did want to gain about twenty pounds. Um, a lot of people, like you said, do gain a significant amount of weight before they go, and it is a really good strategy to have some reserves. Um, I tried to do a dirty bulk. Uh, I've kind of like a, like a little bit of a hard gainer, so I don't put on fat very easily. Um, so I was doing a dirty bulk with fast food and pizzas and, and milkshakes and stuff like that, and it just wrecked my immune system. Yeah. Because uh, I, I tend to eat pretty clean, you know, at, just in our daily lives, so to eat that much junk food in that short of a time, I managed to gain about ten pounds, but the way <laughs> the way it made me feel, it was just wreaking havoc on my body, and I was having digestive issues. So I just had to uh, go in lean and hope for the best. 
You know, I'm the same way. I, I eat very clean, you know, organic and basically no no dairy, no no grains of any kind really. Um, but I'm the same way, you know, if, if, even if I were to do like a dirty bulk, like I guess you could call my, uh, freshman year in college, a dirty bulk year. Uh, and I, you know, I was eating just terrible foods and honestly, I think I lost weight because of how much it just wrecked me. You know, like I was sick the whole time. You know, I didn't look good. You know, I looked pale and, you know, sunken in and just like a mess. But, you know, looking at this show is I always wondered like, I don't know what, how I would put on weight very well. I just, it doesn't go anywhere. I don't know where it goes, yeah. but not on me. I've heard some of the alone contestants had strategies like drinking glasses of olive oil as a clean way to bulk. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it sounds terrible, but it does work. Yeah, it's fat, right? You're just, you're just loading yourself up with, with calories and fat. That gives me actually like a, that makes me gaggy just thinking about it. <laughs> that's like a $20 couple you know if you get some good olive oil that's not yeah. cheap either I'd i'm pretty sure drinking cheap. olive oil will also get rid of gallstones i'm pretty sure there's something with olive oil and gallstones so don't quote me on that but i think i've heard something but not that i've had gallstones or really know anything about it i'm just pretty sure i saw that somewhere someone will write in and let me know uh that's <laughs> that's usually something i can rely on so nebraska you're uh you're making bows you're in kind of bow making season or like how does is it there's a seasonality or are people always ordering things or does it kind of ebb and flow so three years ago um we opened up a bow making school so we're, we're moving into our fourth year of the bow making school um we offer bow making 101 where people can come in and do it with no prior woodworking or archery experience and then this year we launched uh, for the first time an advanced bow making class where we recommend you at least have a woodworking experience or have attempted to make your own bows in the past. Um, so I've actually gotten away from custom orders. Uh, I closed them at the end of 2023 so that we can focus on the bow making school because right now is what I would consider my cutting season. Uh, not when it's minus 40 outside, but uh, normally during the winter time when the sap is down and the leaves have fallen, that's when I'm cutting trees. Um, so I, I work in, uh, I work in collaboration with farmers that are clear cutting or development projects, um, and go into forests that are already planning to be bulldozed Yeah, uh, and save everything I can from the burn pile. Basically they'll tell me, you know, you've got two weeks till we push it in. So get in there and get what you can. That's so right now that's what I'm doing. Um, and like I can flip this over here, got staves on the ground, um, Lots of staves in the background. Yeah. So yeah, we're prepping for the bow making school this year and cutting trees. And I think, uh, I, saw, I think I saw Haley. She was on the podcast before. She was the ultimate marksman show, I think, with you. I think she went to a, a class or something I saw online at some point. Is that my, is that right? Yeah, Haley came out to a class. Uh, on some It was in like summer last year. Okay. So, and she crushed it. She built a, a killer uh, Hackberry longbow. That's yeah, totally cool. Like, okay, so you know, you you mentioned like a ton of different uh, types of wood, right? And, and for like an average guy like me, which you know, I've I've shot my fair share of, of um, traditional archery. Uh, you know, we're we're planning a traditional project um, even this year uh, for for us. But um, for for those of us who don't really know about like materials, like what are you looking for in wood, like a wood to, that makes good, you know, good 
part of a bow? The wood is going to vary based on your region, but most people have access to something that will make bow. Uh, There are a few areas like maybe the desert of Arizona where it's going to be slim pickings. You know, you might have some sort of juniper bush or something there that you can use, but anywhere that has a deciduous hardwood forest is going to have bow making uh, species that work great. So when we do our classes, I always tell people just learn basic tree ID in your area. Like learn how to identify some of the hardwoods, like the oaks, hickories, maples, and things mm-hmm. like that. So what you're looking for is a hardwood tree uh, that is fairly hard, and that's measured by its specific gravity. Uh, so you're looking for a tree that has definitely no less than a 0. .50 specific gravity, and ideally above a 0. .60. What's the specific gravity? I gotta ask. Uh, that is the wood's density in relationship to water. So uh, uh, water is a 1.0 specific gravity. So if you have like, say, a tropical hardwood from South America, that's like, I think Ipe might be 1.1, it will sink in water in its dry form. Yeah, and then we have, you know, Osage orange or hedge um, that is, can be up to like a 0.90 or above. So it's almost heavy enough to sink in water. Uh, But you're, and then you've got some of your semi-hardwoods like uh, some of the ash species are very, uh, tend to be a little bit brittle, like 0. 0.50. So that's that's kind of getting on the fence. Yeah, it's a 0. 0.50. Your pines and your ju- and your uh, a lot of your junipers and and stuff like that, they're going to be more like in the 0. 0.3, um, which is a good indication that they're too brittle for bow making. Okay, too 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 soft of a wood. Yeah, you can think of it kind of like how dense, how much uh, wood fibers to air ratios basically yeah okay so pine pine is very porous and airy and therefore very light whereas say osage orange is extremely dense hard packed fibers yeah that makes sense i've had an osage i do have one somewhere actually i I should say what's your uh what's your go-to material like what do you prefer um I've made bows from just about every kind of tree species I can think of. Um, and I always go back to teaching newcomers on hackberry. Uh, hackberry is not native to this area, but it's very prolific. And, and most people consider it a trash tree um, because it grows huge. And it, it really, it, t- it basically dominates the canopy, dominates the water supply. So uh, hackberry is an excellent wood for beginners. It's readily available. Um, it's extremely elastic, uh, very forgiving of beginner errors. Uh, you can make a lot of mistakes and still get a really fine shooting bow out of Hackberry. Um, and then for my customer work, it's a mix for me of Hackberry and Osage Orange. Right. Okay. Uh, we have ready access to Osage here, and it's considered the king of the bow woods. Um, it's definitely the most sought after bow wood in the world. So I get I used to get a lot of orders for Osage. Yeah, that makes sense. That's like a lot of a lot of Osage, Osage out there. Um, are you making string? Or are you you buying? Like, how do you do? How do you string? I make the string from scratch. I just buy bulk string material from sixty yeah. X custom strings. Yep, cool, very cool. So, uh, what did you hunt? What you shot that buck this year? I think you posted about it online. Um, what did you shoot it with? I shot it with a fifty-three pound. Let's see the Iceman replica. Okay. So, and it was made out of Hackberry. Cool. Yeah, very cool. 
you can you so i mean you're you're building stuff you're doing a lot of you know uh woodsmanship you know craft uh like how much are you hunting in the year how much time do you get get to get out for yourself as much as possible yeah i uh i so our season uh opens antler list opens on september 1st and then uh um either sex opens september 15th for archery and our season is long uh december 31st is when the regular season ends so we got months there and i'll go as hard as i can until i get usually two to three depending on what the status in the freezer is i'll go hard until i have at least two to three deer down and uh, then i'll cut back and you know by then my wife's tired of yeah spending so much time <laughs> time in the woods so i'll kick back and if i got any tags left over or if we have any room at all for meat i'll just kind of fool around out there a little bit here and there yeah i'll bow or you take a take a gun out at all rifles out um i've only hunted with handmade archery equipment for the last 11 years really yep yeah i mean i'm looking at your uh, i just pulled it up here which is i mean you were wearing the coolest known hat you could be wearing when you're bow hunting and shooting a buck like you look so cool that's a great buck man uh, that that's that's a nebraska right Yes. Yep. Are you a tree stand guy or are you shooting this from the ground or what are you, what are you doing? Um, I do a mix of trees and ground, uh, but I don't use a stand at all. I just find some sort of ideal tree that either has a big branch I can stand on or, yeah. uh, that buck I killed from a tree had fallen into the Y of another tree. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a nice land bridge that took me kind of way up into this tree that was overlooking a steep, sort of a steep drop off. Yeah. So behind me, I had like an eye level shot that was basically ground in case and there was a railroad, there was an old decommissioned railroad track right there. So if they mm-hmm. walked that direction, I would have a ground level shot. And uh, from my vantage point down into a marsh, I had like uh, probably a 15 to 20 foot elevation advantage. Oh, sweet. And so I shot. Climbing up a tree? Pretty much, yeah. And no one gives you, I get the business if anybody, you know, if I'm ever in a tree stand and no one can see my my safety harness, do you not get any any guff about just being up? Yeah, I guess you don't post a whole lot of you being up there. I don't post a lot of details. Yeah. Probably good. Probably smart. Probably smart. (laughs) I get enough, uh, I get enough safety warriors on my Instagram from just the shop work. You know, yeah. not wearing not wearing eyeglasses with hand tools or whatever. Yeah, it, it's so weird. Just find something better to do, right? Yeah, you yeah. know. I I don't hunt very high though because uh, high angle shots are very difficult with a self bow. It's such a it's such a tiny little you know hole to thread a needle through. Um, so I usually do. My favorite height is just eight feet or so. Yeah like stand and put my arm up and to be able to jump and reach that branch that's my favorite height i like that too i don't go terribly high i got friends who go you know like 20 20 some foot up but i try to stay i don't i don't like to go too high. it takes a long time to to get up there and get your stuff set and think about it and like i always feel like it's just the faster i'm up the quieter i can be the easier it is so i'm kind of with you like if I, especially if it's you know that height you actually i feel like i find a lot more cover um, then yeah. when I get higher, it seems more to get more bare up high. Yeah, I like I like getting the cover from the 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 big low branches that kind of sprawl yeah. out, you know. Yeah, and the, usually the trunk's very thick down there, so you can just 
kind of kick back and lean up against the trunk and you've got sort of a backdrop for your body. So, so you're not sitting down on anything. You're just standing there the whole time. Um, so my, my perfect tree, which is rare, would have something to sit on. Yeah. Something and you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to get a little uncomfortable. So I, right. I kind of like to be able to just shift around a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll move from standing to, to sitting, to leaning, just whatever I can, or however I can get comfortable. Man, I'm, I'm gotten soft. Like I got the, I do the tree settle thing and I stand and kneel. Even then, I'm like, man, you know, I could just, I wish I could lay a little bit, like lay down a little bit, you know, that's way more helpful. <laughs> You'd probably just fall asleep. <laughs> I do definitely, I'll, I'll, I'm not even going to hide the fact that if I get up there and it's still dark out, you know, I got the, the bridge in my saddle and I, you know, I'll put something right there and I just kind of lay my head down and, and I'm definitely, I just like to think that I'm listening. You know, I can't yeah. see anything anyways. I might as well close my eyes and listen for a while. That doesn't work too good if you're just standing on the branch. No, wait a no, <laughs> no, you just fall right out. You'll, because dude, you will fall asleep pretty quick in the morning. Yeah, it yeah. definitely happens. That's so cool. So you, um, a lot of whitetail hunting. Uh, you, you do anything else, small game or you know, birds or anything out of state? Yeah, um, I try. I've been. I had tried to draw an elk tag for years in Idaho. Kept striking out. Got a deer tag. I, I think one year I got deer, bear, and mountain lion out there. I went as a so I went as a support pack with all those tags for one of my buddies who ended up putting down a big bull right away, mm-hmm. uh, like on third day or something. So never got a chance to fill my tags there, but uh, I've always got a small game permit no matter where we are. Uh, I love hunting grouse in the mountains. Um, we've got really long squirrel and rabbit season here, so yep, yeah, I'm op- opportunistic. <laughs> and plus, uh, I love that. I love small game with, with trad stuff, especially like squirrels, as weird as that sounds. I love, I've shot so many squirrels with my, my recurve way more than probably in the past couple of years. I even, it's my, like my 22, like, yeah, it's fun. I miss a lot. It's not like I'm that good. It just, I take a lot of shots, you know? Yeah. It's fun to take shots and it really hones your skills. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, I always feel like, you know, even if I miss, but if it's like by that much, I consider that kind of a win because they're small. Yeah, you know, and you measure like you measure it in uh, would that kill a deer? Or not? Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> the the kill area for a deer is this. So if I had a squirrel, you know, I'm still probably pretty. I'm in definitely in the lungs still. Um, and like arrows just don't go as far. You know, you find I I feel like I find my arrows a lot easier uh, with the the trad stuff. And you throw like a blunt tip on it, and they're pretty durable. Like you're you're bouncing off stuff, and you're you're pretty good. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, hey, we're um, we're coming up on time here, Corey. Uh, appreciate you taking the time for for people who you know want to attend a class, follow uh, you know some of the stuff that you're doing. I think the is the Ultimate Marksman out yet, or is that when is that coming out? Yeah, that's out. It's, that's out. Okay. It's, uh, yep. Where can they Where can they check? Where can people find you? Get more information. Um. So, main best place to find me is probably uh, my website. If you if you need to reach me about something professional like a like one of our workshops or anything like that definitely uh com, all one word all lowercase and then i'm also on instagram uh, at organic period archer and then i'm also on youtube at organic archery um, just just search organic archery you're gonna find right yeah you'll, somewhere <laughs> you'll find the channels um if you're interested in taking a workshop um we're running low on spots. I think uh, I think we only have two spots left, two or three spots left for the whole year for bow making one hundred and one. 
and I believe we have three or four spots remaining for advanced bow making. So they, they tend to sell out pretty quick, uh, but if you're interested, definitely jump on my website and hit send me a contact form and we'll talk details. Wonderful. Hey man, thank you again for the time. It was great to Great to hey, everybody. Thanks and for listening support. to this episode. We really do. Really appreciate it. If you want to go on really any kind of social media platform, me give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it'd really help us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it. Five stars. It helps everyone out. We'll see you out there.